Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, good to see you. If this is your first time here watching uh, here at Hill City, um, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this team here and so grateful that you decided to join us and spend a portion of your day uh, with us, whether you're watching it on Sunday or whatever day or night this is. Um, before I get into the uh, message here today, I you know would be remiss not to pause here for a second and um, speak to kind of what we've seen in our uh, country this week uh, with the trial of Derek Chauvin and um, the verdict that happened there and some of the other things that have been happening around that and, you know, another shooting and, and everything else. And there's there's so many things to to process this. There's a lot of emotions and, and all of those emotions are valid and there's a lot of perspectives. All those perspectives are valid. Uh, there's a lot of mixed kind of, you know, emotions in the midst of this, right, too, as well. And so I was just writing some things down. I'm going to pray for us as a community and, and stuff here in a second. But I, I thought I would write a couple of things down that might be helpful for us uh, as you're kind of processing all of this. Um, one, I think it's important for us to pause here um, and reflect. You know, our emotions can take us to places that can make bad decisions and gain bad perspective and actually alienate people that are around us. And, and so I think it's important to, to pause here uh, for uh, just a second. You know, Jeremiah 17 talks about how um, our heart is deceitful above all things. Well, that's just referring to that sometimes our emotions can take us in a direction that isn't healthy. I think it's also important for us to pray. Uh, Ephesians 6 talks about that prayer is actually a weapon uh, in the spiritual battle. And what we're seeing around us is truly a spiritual uh, battle. Uh, I think we need to listen. You know, James talks about being slow to speak and quick to listen. And um, Proverbs talks about how important it is for us to listen to the cries of those who are hurting, those that are in pain. Um, and if we don't listen, then actually our prayers are impacted because we don't have the right view uh, of God and our heart is not in the right place. And so it's important to, to really take a step back and listen. I get it. Everyone's got opinions, but um, every single one of us, okay, it doesn't matter what race or anything. It's like every single one of us has to sit and pause and pray and listen. I also think we need to grow. Uh, we need to grow together, um, learn from one another. Um, we need to participate. Romans 12 talks about that we need to participate, that to over, uh, overcome evil by doing good. And so there's a participation element in this. And then um, I think lastly, I think we need to think about policy. I know I'm lumping in a lot here in just a couple of minutes, but you know, Proverbs 31 talks about that those that are followers of God uh, need to speak up for those who are, are being hurt by a system in any kind. And so even like how we just think about everything, it's just like paying attention to maybe certain policies that are out there uh, as well. And so I just wanted to highlight um, those things because I think it's important for us in times like this to make sure we are responding through the lens of Scripture first. Um, because if we don't, um, eventually it can, you know, take us in a direction that we don't want to go. So I'm going to pray for us here as we kind of process some of this stuff together, and then I'll get into uh, the message. Um, God, we are, there are so many different emotions that are going on uh, throughout every city and throughout every community in America right now. And um, as I've sat and prayed around this and prayed with people and prayed for people and just prayed by myself. Um, I just keep coming back to um, this desperate need um, for all of us to just hit pause for a second, to really engage and make sure that our hearts are in the right place, to 
really focus our perspectives, um, our emotions, our prayers, our interactions through the lens to which you have given us through the work of your spirit in us and through the Bible that and scripture that we have. And, um, and God, I'm grateful for little like glimpses of hope and justice in the midst of this, um, but also aware of how much more needs to be done and how far away we are from the realities of what you desire for us. And so, um, God, I just pray for um, our city, our country. I pray for um, our church here and our, our community that we would be um, leaders in all of this, lead in the right way, lead with the right heart, um, to really step forward in, in all of the ways that will make a difference in our city, um, no matter how small they are as an individual and how big they can get kind of corporately together. Um, but ultimately, God, we know that our hope is in you. And in the midst of that, that's why we have hope, even in the midst of maybe some things that are so disconcerting to us. But, um, but God, I just pray that you will um, really instill in us the right heart, the right mindset, and uh, the way to approach this in a way that honors you and gives glory to you. And, um, and, and God, that together, um, that we would begin to see um, that we are all made in your image that we begin to see um, the areas in our own hearts and own minds that aren't where they should be and how we look at one another, um, that we would begin to really know um, and feel and at the very core of our being um, be the kind of person that you desire us to be and that we truly embody this idea of loving one another the way you have taught us to love one another. And so, God, with that, um, I just ask you to um, move in a powerful way and that we would be open-hearted and open-minded and have ears to hear um, what you have for us. In your name, amen. Um, we are in this series called uh, Stronger, and um, you know uh, we're going to be in it for a few more weeks after this, but at the, the really core of this series is, is simply this, is that our quality of life will rise or fall based on the strength um, of our uh, relationships. And so um, I think that's a really important thing for us to, to understand because maybe you never put words to it in that way, but it is the truth, right? If your, your relationships are unhealthy, quality of life just is crappy, right? So um, it's important to really build into that. And so we look at different perspectives and ways um, all the time throughout this uh, series of like, okay, what are all of these elements that happen in our um, relationships that are really critical and really important? Um, last week, I gave us a high view of this uh, conversation around deconstruction and, and doubt and everything and also the value of it. And so if you haven't heard that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. And this week, um, if you're a note taker, you're going to love today. Um, we're going to go through like some very practical questions and some, some very practical things that are helpful in this. Um, last week I talked about how we want this idea of renewal, okay? So I want us to move away from even language talking about deconstruction all the time because um, deconstruction has a little bit of a negative like tone to it and because um, and it, uh, it's always like insinuating basically that you're tearing something down. And, um, but a lot of times what deconstruction does is also focuses on experiences and people. Um, whereas 
uh, if you talk about renewal, what ends up happening is our, our focus begins to shift towards uh, what's Jesus doing within me? Okay, I want, I want Jesus to renew something in me. Um, so again, it's, a, it's, it's minor, right? I'm not saying it's bad to talk about deconstruction, I think, but it's a, it's a minor adjustment that I think will lead to an important perspective around this idea of uh, renewal. Um, when I think about renewal for me in a couple of like significant moments in my life, Lacey can't stand when I do stuff like this, but um, I, several years ago, I remember sitting there and I, I looked at her and, um, and we've talked about this again, actually recently. Again, she doesn't like these conversations. She's just like, can't you just be? Um, but uh, I said to her, I was like, I wonder if I'd believe in Jesus if I were born in another country. And she was like, why would you think about that? Like, why does your brain, like, why does your brain work like that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I just had this thought. I was like, would I? Like, it if I were born in Iraq, would I be Muslim right now? Or would I believe in Jesus? Um, I've even thought like down on like a, a smaller level uh, with my mom when like, growing up, uh, what if she were just all in on the 60s and the sexual revolution was a total hippie and like, um, my mom was not that. And if she's watching this right now, she's probably laughing or yelling at me. But, um, but what if that was her? Like, I'm like, what would my life be like? Would I, would I would I still be a pastor? Would I still be like trusting in Jesus? Would I still be preaching this word? And and what that began to do in me is I just started like thinking about what do I actually believe? And what, you know, our family of origin stuff is so important uh, in terms of how we see faith and how we see God and, and how we process the world. You can't get around that. Um, even relationships and love and, and sex and all that stuff is like family of origin stuff is like huge. And so but even in how we see our faith, like it's, it's a huge, huge thing. And so I began to really think about, whoa, like how much of my life was simply because my mom believed and my, my dad believes. And, um, and then my grandparents, like they were in ministry. They actually started a church, um, you know, decades ago when, when they were still alive. And, and so, and then their, my great grandparents, they had faith. I'm like, was this just passed down? And I just kind of got it. And I was like one of the lucky ones, or do I really believe it? And, and, and how, like, how in deep in me is it? And so it began this process. And some of y'all might be like, all of a sudden your head might be spinning right now. But um, it began this process for me that I was just like, okay, I really want to take this in. I really want to see, do I really believe this stuff? And began a really great um, renewal part in my spirit, renewal in my mind, renewal in my commitment uh, and, and the idea of wanting to sacrifice my, my life for Jesus and be willing to actually, it, it gave us renewal of boldness in, in who I am uh, too in that process. Because what I started to discover, I was like, man, this stuff is legit. <laughs> I do, really do believe this. And this really has not only shaped my life, um, but like, man, it, it really is the greatest hope of the world. And so anyway, that was part for me. And, and so I began to think like, how do we live in this state of renewal? Because I think it is important when we go through these times of renewal, um, or if you're in that stage, you're like, well, I'm more in the deconstruction phase right now, right? And that's just where I'm at, and that's fine. Or maybe you're just going through, you know, this this level of doubt. But whatever stage you are, from deconstruction to doubt to renewal, um, I think there's some things that I think are important for us to do that I want to run through with us um, here this morning. So I want to uh, start in Romans chapter 12. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And um, 
it says this. This is so this guy named Paul is writing to the early church at Rome, and they're a bunch of new Christians, and um, so he's he's writing this letter to them. That's kind of helping them really shape who they are as a community. And he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy, and this is an important word there, sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, and here's our word, by the renewing of your mind. Continues on, it says, then, so if those things happen, if you do those things, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This is like, this is like one of those things that you read it and you're like, dang it, Paul. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And so he's like, man, a lot of times we like to puff ourselves up a lot, don't we? And, um, and so you've done it. I've done it. Um, we'll probably all still do it here and there. But what Paul is trying to push us into, it's like, man, if you really want to see God's will in your life, if you really want to um, have this element of renewal of your mind, if you really want this transformative experience, and man, you really need to do this in the right way. I love that word um, in, Rome, in verse 1 because about sacrifice, because this element of sacrifice that was done, there's, I, I mean, I, there's a lot I could say about this because there's so many tie-ins to the sacrificial system and, and what they would present. And, um, and it was done in, the, in, in this idea of like in the honor and presence of God and, and everything. But what we start to see about this idea of renewal is it's associated with the presence of God. And to be in the presence of God is to continuously um, seek out like wherever he is in all that we do. And that's where like this element of renewal begins. This this yearning, this desire for the presence of God. And when that begins to happen, um, our lives then, we, we do want to sacrifice for God. You know, sometimes God's ways don't make sense to us because we don't want God in all that we, in all that we do. And so, however, when we have this sacrificial life that, uh, and again, Sometimes when we think of sacrifice, um, we're like, oh, I can give this piece to God, but not that piece. And what Paul's saying is like, no, everything goes to God. Everything is a sacrifice. We don't, you wouldn't bring, like in the sacrificial system, you wouldn't bring your leftover lamb. You brought your best lamb uh, to be sacrificed. And so we've got to then take on this idea then, okay, what am I actually bringing to God in my life? Is it just the leftovers or is it something uh, a little bit bigger than that. You know, sacrifice, um, one of the things I, I wrote down um, here is like that sacrifice is not about what you are giving up. It's about what is being developed in you. And so sometimes when we're like, oh, I don't want to give that up. Well, the reason why you don't want to give that up for God is because you want to do what you want to do. And so when we begin to frame this in a different way, it's like, no, when I sacrifice is really about what God will develop in me, that's why it's transformative. That's why it's real freedom. That's why it's real life and real purpose and everything, because we're approaching it with this idea of like, God, what are you going to do inside of me? I actually think that quite often we have not experienced the best that God has for us because we've consistently given him our worst or given him our leftovers. And so this idea of sacrifice becomes important when it comes to approaching God with a heart of, like again, a longing for renewal in our mind. So how do we do this well? 
how do we like approach this well? How do we um, uh, seek out God's will in this? And, and I have four kind of key things that are important. The first one is this, that we saw honest self-assessment. Honest self-assessment, uh, right? Verse 3 says, don't think more of yourself than you should. And it's a hard thing, like as we talked about earlier. But listen, nobody knows you like you know you. Uh, you know what's going on in your mind. You know what you're feeling. You know the things you wish you would say. You know the things you've done that no one else does. Um, you know all those things. Like you know you, okay? So no one knows you better. So you have to be honest in your self-assessment. You have to be honest in who you really are. Uh, this uh, preacher um I, this is a long time ago, but Martin Lowe joins. He said, there's a big difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself. And so even in this honest self-assessment, a lot of times we might be listening to ourselves, but what Martin Lowe jones is saying, like, no, you need to talk to yourself. You need to talk to the right things to yourself. You need to be honest with who you are because when you're honest, you can begin speaking to the very being, right? You can be like, no, no, no. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be part of my life. I don't, and so you can kind of get into it. You can call out the things that need to be called out and celebrate the things that need to be uh, celebrated. What ends up happening though in this self-assessment process is it's hard. And because we all like, want a certain kind of image to other people and everything, um, one of the books that we're reading right now, which I, I've just loved is, and our staff is actually reading it now, is um, a book called Think Again by Adam Grant. And um, now I've read it in other places too, but he talks about the Dunning-Kruger effect. And maybe you've like heard about this before, but it's the idea essentially that we think we know a lot more about things than we actually do, right? Like, so a great example is the terminology, the armchair quarterback. It's the, the person sitting on their couch at home, like, yelling at the coach during a football game because he's not making the right decisions and it's like it's like a it's a crazy way to think right the person at home who has not played like couldn't even make their high school team is yelling at a bunch of professional players who know infinitely more about the sport that he's yelling at but yet he thinks he's right and like gets so emotional gets so angry all of these things and it's like we do this stuff all the time. I mean, think about how many things you are not an expert at but have a strong opinion on. And so we we over we over um, we are overconfident in what we think we know and what we think we are. And so that's the effect that we have on us. But here's what self-assessment really is. It is intentional, it is thoughtful, and it's uncomfortable. All right, I want to highlight the uncomfortable part there. It's intentional, it's thoughtful, and it's uncomfortable comfortable because when you're honest with yourself, you'll begin to say like, all right, I really need to be intentional about this and do this and regularly do this. Um, I need to be thoughtful about it. Not just what I hope I am, but really like, who am I? And then when you get to that point, it's uncomfortable because when you face some of the realities, you're like, oh, I, I do need some renewal. I, I do need to grow. I do need that part. And so in this process of growth, in this process of transformation, in this process of renewal, what are some things to do or what are some questions to ask? So I wrote down a few that I think could be helpful. So here are five questions that I think are important when you're going through this process of renewal of your faith and trying to figure this stuff out. Um, one, are my questions Jesus-centered? Are my questions Jesus-centered? Uh, our goal is discernment of Christian culture, not to dismantle Christian culture. Okay, so yes, there are things that we can talk about within the church, and yes, within Christian culture that may not be healthy, um, but and we can critique those things, right? But I'm at the heart of who I am, are, are, is, am I oriented towards the things of Jesus? Are my questions 
you know, towards the things of Jesus. This is what I was talking about. Like renewal leads us to the teachings of Jesus where deconstruction is like, oh, these people did that. And my experience at that church was this. And so forget Christianity and I'm going to deconstruct that. But what renewal does is like, let me focus on the things of Jesus. I get the people and experiences. Those are valid things. But let me focus on what, what are my questions about Jesus? Am I centered towards the things of Jesus? Uh, number two there, I'm doubting with, am I doubting with Jesus or doubting Jesus, right? Very, two very different things. Uh, number three, am I really seeking out truth and wisdom? Um, or is this like, I just want to do what I want to do? You know, so it's, it's an understanding. Am I really seeking out truth and wisdom? Um, here's number four. I like to ask questions like this. You guys have heard me do stuff like this before, but if everyone thought about others like me, would they find Jesus? All right. So again, these are questions to process, questions to take in, questions that help in the self-assessment. A lot of times what ends up happening is like, man, if everyone thought like me, Man, I don't know they would ever find Jesus in this scenario. And so we begin to see like, oh, this is like who I really am. This is how I'm really thinking. And then the fifth one there is, um, is this based off of privilege uh, and comfort? Now, when I say that, um, here's what I mean. <laughs> if we could go back in time, if, if we... if those of you that are old enough, there's a movie named Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If you go on an excellent adventure um, or Back to the Future or whatever newer movie, anyway, um, if you go to a time machine and go back and yank Paul and Peter um, from the Bible and bring them back here to 2021, I think they would sit here and be like, come now? Like, you guys are, you're questioning what little detail? And you're dividing over what? Like, we actually gave our lives up just simply proclaim that Jesus died and rose again. And, and you're worried about, like, the worship music and you're leaving a church? Or are you worried about the, the thing that you might kind of, like, disagree with there? So you just left, up and left? Or, or, man, you didn't like what they wore over there? Or you didn't, like, that's what you're concerned with? Whoa, this is crazy. What a privilege, you guys. What a privileged community you must be. What a, Man, you must be real comfortable in this whole Jesus thing because they weren't. And so it, understanding that even in this process, it can be built off of comfort and privilege. All right, here's the second thing that I think it's important to process. So we've got honest self-assessment. The second thing is we need to stay in community. So in this process of renewal, um, in this process of trying to figure out our faith and everything, and again, these are things you can encourage other people with or just keep in mind for yourself. We need to stay in community. Um, I hear people say things like this, I don't need the church. Attending a church regularly um, isn't vital to my faith. And typically the people that say that actually are not in a good spot in their faith um, a, a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times. But let me ask you this about church. Whose idea was it for the church? I wish I could actually hear you because that would be great. Um, or who said we needed the church, right? Or how about this? Who isn't happy when we come against the church? All right, so this is important when we can think about how we're having this element of renewal. If you haven't answered that question yet, I'll give you a hint. Um, it's the answer that you should always, about 90% of the time, it's always the right answer for for this. So Acts chapter 9, look what this says here. This is super interesting. So Paul, who wrote Romans, um, this is a part of his story and how he came to faith because he was like trying to persecute um, all the believers at that time. He says, as he was approaching Damascus and that he is Paul, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, 
why are you persecuting me? Now, hold on, and let me pause there for a second because some of you might be saying, I thought you said it was Paul, but it says Saul. Saul and Paul are the same person, okay? One was just Hebrew, one was, was um, uh, Greek. And sometimes people are like, Paul's name changed after he became a believer. That's actually not true. Um, it's just the difference between the two languages. So anyway, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, let me say this again, me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am, look at this. Here's our answer. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into that city and you will be told what you must do. So think about this. When Paul's persecuting those people in the early church before he believed in Jesus, Jesus says, you're persecuting me. So if you talk poorly about the church, who are you talking poorly about? Jesus. If you say, I don't need the church, then who are you saying you don't need? Jesus. If you're saying that like the church is awful, the church is this, the church, you know, it's all negative. Like, who are you talking about? Jesus. And he would be like, well, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm trying to love Jesus. But man, this stuff, and I'm, and I'm just saying, we all need the church. We need big church, small church, medium church. We, we need the church because why? Jesus told us we need the church. And in, uh, in the embodiment of the church is supposed to be Jesus. And so here's what I gleaned from that. You can't follow Jesus and ignore the church. It's that simple. And so we need to stay in community together. Now, even sometimes we'll be like, well, we don't need to go to church. We are the church, right? And be like, the four people over there are the church or whatever. And I get it when people say stuff like that. But honestly, inherently, that moves towards a self-centered model around your faith. It just eventually will because you just want to do what you want to do rather than being with a grouping of people from different perspectives, from different uh, cultures, from different um uh, ways of life. We work different jobs. We have different ages and everything. And, and that's part of the beauty of the church and about who, wh- what images God. And so um, I think it's important to begin to like understand that maybe some of the metaphors we want to use are actually very detrimental <laughs> against um, finding Jesus. We have to be committed and consistent to one another to actually be the church. If you aren't that, then we aren't being the church. We aren't being what Jesus actually taught us to be. I would also say this, your favorite uh, podcast, and I don't even care if it's our podcast, stay curious, but should be your favorite one. But your favorite podcast or book or video isn't the church. Um, um, So that's not a real thing. You watching on video today is awesome. Um, You're part of our community. That's great. But if you're just watching on video and not gathering together with people, not forming community around your faith, not challenging one another, not learning and growing and serving together, engaging one another, then actually what you're doing right now is just watching a video. It's not church. And so it's cool that we can do this, but but it's not church. Like church is is bigger than that. Church is uh, more than that. Um, so even in the midst of trying to figure out, like I get it, like it's okay to critique the church. It's okay. Like one of the things that we love here is we, we want feedback on what's happening here. We want feedback on what we're doing. We want to hear, but, but it should be done in a gracious tone. It should be done in an encouraging tone. It should be done in a way of like trying to seek out a deeper level of Jesus together and have that feedback to want to like work together and understand that maybe you don't know all the, like everything. Maybe you don't know all the perspectives or the why behind stuff and, and that's okay. But the way we begin to, why? Because the church is together. And listen, Jesus told us to be together. So it's important. So here's a good two questions to ask when it comes to the church. One, if this isn't a regular thing for you, what am I trading in the church for? Because that's what's actually happening, right? So 
Where are, what, what is it? Is it um, vacation? Is it travel? Is it the beach? Is it the river? Is it work? Is it sports? Is it to just do whatever you want? Is it sleep? Um, is it brunch? Any of those things. Like, what is it? What are we really trading in the church for? At least put words to it, right? That's a good question to ask. Another question to ask here is, am I raising, and this is just for parents, um, if I'm, am I raising a child who will see no sacrifice, commitment, or consistency to the church? If that is the case, then, then they won't see any consistency, sacrifice, or commitment to Jesus. They just won't. And, and so you can imagine then what the back end of that looks like for um, kids. All right, here's the third thing. We only got two more. Um, use your Bible. Use your Bible. All right, now, um, we said, I said last week that um, for, uh, not all the time, but sometimes, um, or at times, conservatives don't appreciate the nuance of Scripture, and that my progressive friends at times don't appreciate the authority of Scripture. And so, um, let me give you some examples. Um, I believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. There's its authority. However, it was written by humans that bring some of their own perspectives. There's its nuance. All right, or the Bible allows us to see God through Jesus, all right? And, and so that is authoritative, all right? However, we get different perspectives or different portraits of Jesus through the writers, right? In particular, the New Testament, obviously. Um, there is the, what? Nuance. And so we see some different elements to that. Um, even when you see, like, that the teachings of Jesus have, like, authority, uh, um, into the new, the early church. Like there's an authoritative element to uh, what Jesus actually taught. And even bringing back to those Old Testament teachings, there was like authority because Jesus used those as authoritative um, in his teachings. Yet at the same time, Jesus told people, you have heard it this way, or you interpret it this way, or you use it this way, which is like the nuance that we begin to see or the humanity um, in scripture as well. We've even seen this obviously uh, in modern day, uh, we have seen that the, the level to which people have used the Bible as a weapon, right, showing like humanity and its abuse of it. Um, and in the end, it leads people away from Jesus. But the point is, is like, man, we need to use the Bible correctly. Look at its, the wholeness of the Bible, the entire story of Scripture. We've got to see it as a mosaic, not just like cherry picking what we want. You know, they used to have a slave Bible. Imagine that. Um, a slave Bible here where, where they use scripture and they took out all these other passages, but they use scripture to, to essentially, um, as they were teaching it, to, be, to make slaves think that this is the way they were supposed to be. And so how do they do that? They, they cherry picked everything. But when you look at the fullness of scripture, this, this mosaic and this beauty of it, you can't just take one piece out. The Bible allows us to be in process together in community. The Bible gives us a grounding, a foundation for us to, to go off of rather than just going whatever you know, way the cult, that culture seems to, to want to go. Um, the world will always discipleship, uh, disciple us into foolishness. And so that's why we need a grounding of Scripture in our lives. If you're not using Scripture as your base in your opinions and Scripture as your base in terms of how you're engaging things uh, around us, then uh, you, will, you will certainly begin to manipulate others. You will certainly begin to get um, more self-centered because Scripture should, if we look at it in its whole, um, will always point us to a love of one another, a deep grace and kindness and compassion. Even when we think about uh, last week I mentioned too that we're supposed to deconstruct 
um, and dismantle worldly ideology, uh, ideology. You can't do that without something else to pull from. And that's where obviously we need to, to have the lens of scriptures. And so when we begin to look at the Bible, we see how important it is um, for us to engage it in the right way in order to have this element of renewal in our lives. And here's the last thing um, that, um, that's important in terms of this renewal process. You need to get out there, all right? You need to get out there. Um, Romans 12 is one of my favorite chapters, but the Sermon on the Mount is my absolute favorite passage um, to work through. And here, here in Matthew 7, Jesus is teaching, and it's at the end. And so if you want to read the entire Sermon on the Mount, you can read Matthew's chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. But it's at the end of his teaching, and, and, and watch what he says here. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rains come in and torrents, and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And so let's just pause here for a second. So then how do you know the teachings of Jesus? Well, you've got to use your Bible. You've got to be in community with people. Um, you, you've got to um, really engage Scripture the way that we should. You, in order to really take in what Jesus taught, you have to have an honest self-assessment of yourself, right? And so he's like, anyone who does this is, and follows it is wise and won't collapse. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, mean, meaning you don't do what it says, like a person who builds its house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with, here's that word, real authority, quite unlike teachers of religious law. Listen, theological information doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus makes you a follower of Jesus. Okay, you have to be a doer of the word. You have to um, take what Jesus taught and actually do it. Um, so sometimes, even in this renewal process, and when people are going through deconstruction and doubt and everything, they'll say things like, "Well, this stuff doesn't work in my life." And a lot of times, the reason why it hasn't worked is because you haven't really actually tried it. You haven't committed to it. You haven't sacrificed for it. You haven't seen it as like. The, the, the level to which it, it's like a core element of who you are in, the, in, your, in your greatest purpose and identity. And so even when it comes to being like this, like how do we become, if we want renewal in our lives, we've got to live this stuff out. We've got to put it out there. And listen, you won't live out your faith by accident. You've got to think about it. You need to be intentional about it. You need to have a plan about what does it mean to like, like in a, in a framework to like, what does it look like to live out my faith at work with my family, with my friends? What are those things that are in play? Um, you know, a lot of times, even when we talk about how do we like share a faith with people and in a, in a pushback on that sometimes, and this is okay, that's a pushback. I've heard this for years. Um, when people will say things like, well, people aren't projects. And because like, if you make them projects, then you can't love them correctly. And I'm like, I understand in theory what you're saying. Um, but here's where I would like disagree with you on that. We're not saying that people is a project, like you check it off like that, right? Like that's, you, I would agree, we don't do it like that. However, we do have to start seeing our lives around us and the people around us and be like, okay, what does it look like to love my neighbors well? And how do I engage them well? And so you do need to plan that out. You do need to see what that looks like. You do need to see them as part of the plan that God has put before you. All right? It doesn't make them a project, but what it does mean is that you are intentional about it. You have a plan in place and you understand that you're supposed to be actually following what Jesus taught and doing what he said. So 
Those are the four things that I think are, are really important to us when we begin this renewal process. Now, I don't know where you're at, and, um, and I don't know um, what stage of this you, know, um, you are, but I think if we can engage those four things the right way, there'll be a renewal in our hearts, renewal in our minds that'll be transformative, and we'll begin to see what Jesus really has for us. So let's pray. So God, this morning, um, we went through a lot, um, but my hope in this is that um, we will begin to see how important it is to have this renewal mindset. And so whether that's someone just stepping back into faith, um, someone who's like teetering um, on which way they're going to go, or someone maybe who's just been in faith for a long time but realizing how stale they actually are. And so... um, God, I just pray that right now this would be such a there'd be such a cool renewal happening in all of our hearts and all of our minds through all of this, um, just through your work inside of us. And we give this to you in your name we pray. Um, amen.